Welcome to Take Up and Read, a bite-sized Bible study podcast on the Sunday Catholic Mass readings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This Sunday is the third Sunday of Advent in year A, also known as Gaudete Sunday, or Rose Sunday. Gaudete is one of the Latin words for rejoice, the first word of the introit, or entrance antiphon for this Mass, taken from Philippians 4, verse 4. Rose is the color of the liturgical vestments for the Sunday, often misidentified as pink. As we have crossed the halfway point of a penitential season, Gaudete Sunday is Advent's counterpart to Laetare Sunday during the season of Lent. Our first reading is Isaiah 35 verses 1 through 6 and verse 10, with the prophet speaking to the exiled Jews, prophesying their deliverance. The 35th chapter here follows a chapter foretelling the destruction of the Edomites who had supported the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem and subsequent deportation of the population. Without going too far afield, the Edomites were the descendants of Jacob's brother Esau in the book of Genesis, which made bad blood between the returning exiles and Edomites even worse. Edom was eventually conquered by the Jewish Hasmonean dynasty and forcibly converted to Judaism. Among the descendants of these Jewish Edomites was the dynasty of Herod, which was given direct rule over certain sectors of Palestine after the Roman conquest less than 100 years before the birth of Christ. The destruction of the Edomites was to leave their land a desert, which the exiles would need to pass through on their way home. This passage assures the Israelites that their God will come with power to transform the desert and provide water for their crossing, as he did during their exodus from Egypt. Of this new exodus, the prophet says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared, then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. This came to be understood as a sign of the arrival of the Messiah, which Jesus fulfills in the various healing miracles during his ministry. In our Gospel this Sunday, Jesus makes reference to this expectation in order to confirm his identity with some of John the Baptist's disciples. If we have discussed often before, The new exodus, as foretold by the Old Testament prophets, is only partially fulfilled by the return of the exiles. The new exodus is most fully accomplished by Jesus' exodus, as his passion is called at Luke 9, verse 31, wherein humanity is delivered from sin. A note on the geographic references in this passage. Sharon is a fertile coastal plain which begins at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is a verdant peak invoked as a symbol of beauty in Song of Songs, chapter 7, verse 5. Lebanon was also known in the ancient Near East as an abundant land and is mentioned as such throughout scripture. The possession of Lebanon marked the extent of the Israelite empire under King Solomon. So Isaiah's prophecy is evoking their historical peak as a norm for God's future deliverance. Lebanon's famous cedars were used to build Solomon's temple and other important buildings. The prophet had earlier referred to the suffering of Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon at Isaiah 33 verse 9, predicting the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Our psalmist Sunday is Psalm 146, the beginning of the so-called Hallelujah Psalms, which are the five psalms of exuberant praise that form a doxology to conclude the Psalter. This psalm sounds a familiar note to our gospel in first reading from Isaiah extolling the Lord's justice to those who are oppressed, as well as his healing and mercy for those who suffer maladies. In verse 7, the psalmist says that the Lord sets the captives free, a 
a reference to the restoration of the Jewish exiles, the original recipients of Isaiah's prophecy in our first reading. Psalm 146 also praises God for his protection of the poor, widows, and other defenseless persons, those to whom Jesus will proclaim the good news of God's justice. This Sunday's second reading is James 5, verses 7-10, through 10, in which St. James urges his readers to patience for the coming of Christ, thus its inclusion during the season of Advent. He refers to the Old Testament prophets as an exemplar in this respect, since none of them lived to see the Lord's deliverance that their oracles anticipated, facing persecution all the while. The coming of the Lord is at hand, and the judge is standing before the gates. Our Lord could come at any time, either at the end of history or when our own life is unexpectedly demanded. The author of this epistle was a kinsman of Jesus, probably also known as St. James the Lesser, and Bishop of Jerusalem after the departure of St. Peter. James' audience was Jewish, converts to Christianity, living in the diaspora and likely facing persecution within their communities. James uses an agricultural metaphor that refers to the early and the late rains. These were the fall, winter, and spring rains in the Holy Land that allowed for the harvest of grain in the spring and olives and grapes in the summer. They are mentioned in the Old Testament even as early as Deuteronomy 11, verse 14. Our Gospel this Sunday is Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11, with Jesus affirming his identity to John the Baptist's disciples, while confirming the identity of John with his own. For more on John the Baptist, see last week's episode. John had been imprisoned by King Herod Antipas, which had prompted Jesus to begin his preaching ministry in earnest. See Matthew 4, verses 12 through 17. As the Baptist had indicated that Jesus was the promised Christ that he had been preparing for, Many of his disciples likely began to follow our Lord. See John 1, verses 33-37. Some undisclosed amount of time, however, had passed between then and when our gospel passage took place. There is debate about whether John himself doubted his earlier conviction that Jesus was the Christ, or simply wanted his disciples to seek for themselves what he already knew. The plain sense seems to suggest the latter, and John would not be the last whose expectations of the Messiah would be upended by Jesus. As he says in this passage, Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. John could have been expecting an immediate judgment to follow the appearance of the Christ, though we can only speculate. What seems certain, however, is that John, languishing in Herod's prison, must have been encouraged by the response he received, as well as the news of Jesus' deeds and miracles. The works of Jesus reflect the messianic expectations found in our first reading from Isaiah, a prophecy that the Baptist surely knew. Remember that Jesus' physical miracles for select individuals in the Gospels are not an end in themselves, but are meant to point beyond to the spiritual healing that he offers to all people. Jesus' rhetoric regarding the identity of John is forceful. The ascetic Baptist was neither a swaying reed preaching what his crowds wanted to hear, or a powerful worldly man given to wearing fine clothing. If not intentional, both of these images could be applied to John's jailer, the wicked Herod Antipas, who ingratiated himself with the Roman authorities. John, however, was more than a prophet. He was the figure promised in the prophet Malachi, quoted here from Malachi 3 verse 1, who would precede the Lord's coming in judgment. At Malachi 4 verse 5, we read that this figure will come in the spirit of Elijah. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. As we discussed last week, Jesus himself identified this expectation with John the Baptist. On the other hand, the first part of our Lord's quote is drawn from Exodus 23 verse 20, which was joined to Malachi 3 verse 1 in the tradition of the rabbis. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. God was promising the Israelites his protection and guidance into the promised land during the Exodus. So its use by Jesus implies that John is the forerunner of Jesus' new Exodus from sin and death. Our Lord's final words in this passage are paradoxical. Among those born of woman, there has never been there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus is revealing that his new covenant will greatly exceed the old, as he would later say at Matthew thirteen verse seventeen. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The grace made available through the coming of Christ allows the saints of the new covenant to exceed those of the old. The exploits of the apostles and the early church, as told in the book of Acts, provide myriad confirming examples. Note, moreover, that John is still alive at the time of this passage, and Jesus has not yet accomplished our redemption on the cross. Far from denigrating the Baptists and the Old Testament saints, Jesus' mission includes bringing them into the kingdom of heaven. Regarding Jesus' descent into Sheol before his resurrection, which we have discussed elsewhere on the podcast, paragraph 634 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, The gospel is preached even to the dead. The descent into hell brings the gospel message of salvation to complete fulfillment. This is the last phase of Jesus' messianic mission, a phase which is condensed in time but vast in its real significance. The spread of Christ's redemptive work to all men of all times and all places. For all who are saved have been made sharers in the redemption. That's all we have time for today. Let's conclude with a colleague from the Sunday's Mass. O God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's nativity, enable us, we pray, to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more and find resources, visit studycatholic.com. And please tell your friends about the show and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks again, and God bless.